You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey guys, how you doing? Did I did I drop? Am I good? You're here. We we like it, David Hall. Yeah, I'm here. I think. Yep, still here. Yep, I hear you too, Greg Hectus. My signal didn't drop. Did yours? All right. Thanks, guys, for coming. Uh, to this week, we'll be covering the Coke Series race and mishaps at Homestead, Miami, with series announcer Evan Pasoko. He'll show up later as well as some sneak previews as to what's in store and the next build and lots more. GridFinder is the home of online sim racing leagues. GridFinder is also a great resource to find paint designers and race commentators. Recently, they've been adding some great articles discussing various aspects running leagues and sim racing in general. GridFinder is constantly adding helpful content and giving us all the reasons to visit www.grid-finder.com. Visit them to find a league or to upload your own it's grid finder the home of online sim racing leagues gridfinder.com first time winner ashton crowder final time at a turn four to his first win in the enas car peaking and the monster mile in 2020 is tamed by Nitro gonna look to the bottom it is not gonna be enough and ryan loza is gonna go back to back he steals the win at thunder valley welcome the voice of iRacing, evan pasoko all right evan pasoko can you guys hear me okay yeah. Hey, thanks for coming. I appreciate you guys putting up with uh, the, the little bit of a technical difficulty trying to get everything set up from the road here, but thanks for having me. That's okay. Uh, hey, we're back in season and and you're traveling about doing all kinds of stuff. And so uh, we're just happy to have you to be able to talk about the Coke series. Uh, this week it was a homestead. Uh, they did get some uh, preview love before the race uh, from the official NASCAR Twitter account. Uh, really good to see NASCAR uh, pushing the race. Yeah, the, the you know that's been the biggest thing, and I know I've mentioned this, um, you know, in the past doing these with you guys, um, you know how involved Tim Clark and and Brandon Williams and and that whole digital team at NASCAR has been, especially the last kind of like two three years, certainly with Coke coming on board. But I'd say you know even two three years ago pushing the stuff because when I started doing this six years ago it wasn't really a big presence on the, the Twitter and, and the Facebook and whatnot. So, um, you know, I think it's a, a no brainer to get that kind of stuff out. And when you have their resources, uh, you know, you get some really cool pieces and, you know, we saw a lot of that used for our pre-race stuff with some of the pre-recorded stuff. So certainly using, uh, their expertise and yeah, I, I think it's awesome. They're kind of all in on this. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, let's get right into it. Green flag, about five laps in, early on, uh, connection issues. Uh, we had about seven drivers fall out of the server. Bobby Zielinski, Ray Alfala, Graham Boland, Derek Justice, Garrett Maines, uh, Reynolds, King Cook. Um, 
tough break for them. We'll talk about that more later. But about lap 13, uh, Blade Wit uh, somehow blows it up, starts smoking, but it still stays green, and uh, it's green flag racing. Yeah, that was surprising, and we kind of thought out loud, you know, I mean, I did it, and if it had some damage on it that caused it to blow up or whatnot, but turns out that they just put a lot of tape on it, right? They were very aggressive with that, and if it blew up, you know, less than 15 laps into the race, I think that goes to tell you how kind of by how much they missed the mark on that, right? And obviously, you can test it on your own, you'll be fine, but they were just, you know, in the pack racing that we have with this package, uh, you can't get away with that. And, and we were watching to see if that was going to hurt his teammate. And then we, we heard a lot of other radio channel or channel uh, chatter from other channels, I should say. Um, there was about two, three other teams that were either at the same tape or very close um, that they were worried about. So I think those teams benefited from the race not having cautions and restarts because i feel like if we kept grouping cars up we would have seen more issues uh but as things spread out other drivers were were able to manage that by kind of clutching and coasting through the corners at points and and once there was enough space they they weren't worried about the temps but that was kind of a surprise storyline that i didn't see coming yeah malik ray and matt busa were reporting overheating issues uh running in the back uh up front though it was Leahy, luza and shearburn um who started that way and pretty much stayed that way. Um, lap 44, green flag stop start. Uh, Brad Davies, he gets the yellow barrels, but somehow survives that. That was interesting. One of a couple guys to to either get him or, or get awfully close, right? He basically uh, ripped the right side of the race car off. Um, and unfortunately, I mean, I guess fortunately he kept going, but he did sustain uh, a little bit of damage on that one. Uh, there were some other drivers who got real close to, I think we had at least one speeding penalty um, over the course of the night. And, you know, it, Homestead's always tricky with that, with the access road is, and, and how close that pit lane entry is to the exit of four. Um, that you don't have a ton of time to slow it down. Um, most drivers were pushing a the limit. These guys are used to that. But, um, you know, I think that it was surprising that the in- the issues were on entry instead of exit. Because I remember a couple of years ago, we had a car go off on the access road in one and two, catch the grass and, and go up into traffic and nearly wreck the leader. So Homestead has a history of being tricky on pit stops. Um, so wasn't surprised that uh, it bit a couple of guys. And you'll have that in a green flag race, right? That's that's going to be the difference maker points is is not making those errors. Now, obviously, green flag racing to this point, uh, the discussion in the chat during the broadcast and on the social media, of course, was the drops of the other seven drivers. Uh, King Cook was on the Twitter, uh, now deleted Twitter, uh, basically saying they should have you know thrown the yellow and gotten these people back on the lead lap uh, kind of thing. Um iRacing did respond about this time of the race saying we are continuing the race and we'll finish it and do more investigation after, but all indications are at, that this is not an iRacing issue. And I know that Christian Chaloner, who's, you know, a guy that is, has been in the series and is now with iRacing, um, had some communication with the drivers that I was able to see. And I, and I won't say what he said word for word, but basically, you know, they had access to that. So they had a team checking it out during the race. Um, the impression that I got, granted, I didn't have any of this info while the race was going on, um, but I, I kind of, you know, picked up the pieces post-race, was that if they had found that it was, um, you know, just an issue with the session or the server or whatever, um, then the race probably would have been restarted. Um, but it's been a, they were able to find that it was an ISP issue um, with people on Comcast, and it wasn't just exclusive to that race. We've seen, um, you know, people with Comcast having some sort of issues for whatever reason, um, for the last few days. So 
Um, that was the discussion that was going on in the background that, that we didn't know was happening at the time, um, was that they were able to confirm that it was an ISP thing, and that's why uh, the race kept going. And it turns out, even if, it, I mean, you know, we, we didn't know at the time, but if you had, you know, thrown the yellow early, got those guys back on the lead lap, I think many of them dropped out two, three more times over the course of the night. So um, I don't think it would have made a difference for them either way, unless we would have, you know, done it every single time and, at that point, the race gets a little bit muddy. So uh, I think Bob Bryant said it best, and I and I retweeted his thoughts on it, um, that it's uh, kind of a cruddy situation. You feel bad for those guys, right, because they put in two weeks of time, and it's a lot of money on the line, right? I mean, we want this to come down to the drivers on the track. You don't want um, somebody dropping out of the session to, to be big, especially early in the year. You know, you're going to be kicking yourself if – you get to the end of the regular season or the end of the year, and, and that's the difference between a playoff spot or, or being relegated and whatnot. But uh, just, uh, you know, just a tough deal. You had mentioned that uh, there it had occurred in other races as well. As a matter of fact, on that night, I was uh, practicing in an A open, and I had a teammate that was starting an A fixed, and about seven people in that race got dumped about the same time the, the guys in the Coke race did. So it was a widespread comcast issue yeah there were other leagues and stuff going on that lost a bunch of people so yeah it was definitely uh not just the coke race uh lap 60 yeah timing it's just tough timing and and unfortunate because i think that a lot of the people had said you know it was exclusive to people with comcast so it was an issue with that but they didn't lose their internet altogether so it's it might have something to do with with comcast and communicating with uh, you know, however, iRacing is setting up their service and whatnot. So they, it wasn't like Comcast service was totally going down. It's something specifically with Comcast communicating uh, with iRacing because everybody else on other providers were fine. So uh, that's tough. And, and hopefully, you know, somebody is able to figure out a solution going forwards because we've only got a week till our next race. So I, I know those guys don't want to go into that one uncertain. Now, if you're one of those seven guys, I just want to put the shoe on the other foot you don't lose your internet connection. You're, you're still connected to TeamSpeak. You're still connected to Discord. You're still streaming to Twitch. Um, your video connection to the iRacing studio, as far as your camera, is still working. And But the, ser- but the iRacing server drops you. So you're like, okay, it's got to be iRacing, right? That's yeah, the perspective that's, that's, you have. That, that would be your thought, right? Because you're like, hey, my internet's not down. And I know that during the race... Um, it took about 20 to 30 laps before iRacing was able to look into, um, you know, what what the issue was, and, and they were able to determine that it was the issue with Comcast, and then they communicated that through the the text chat. And obviously, in the race, they can't really give everybody a long explanation, which is why I feel like there was a lot of frustration because. You know, if I'm in the race and my internet's fine, I'm still on TeamSpeak, I'm still in the Zoom call for the broadcast, but I only drop out of the sim, my thought's going to be it's an issue with the sim, right? So uh, I think that kind of explains uh, maybe some of the the old takes that that were put up and then taken down once iRacing was able to uh, put a more detailed explanation out to the drivers post-race um, that they, they did indeed look into it, um, you know, and, and they didn't just ignore it, which, you know, it's tough to communicate hey, we're, we're literally looking into it and explain the process while the race is happening. So I think it's a good job that they reached out afterwards. Yep. And so as those uh, green flag pit stops cycled, it was Keegan Leahy back to the lead. Uh, Bob Bryant was, was trying to make it on one stop, so he hadn't stopped there, um, along with Jor- Gorlinski and um, Malik Ray. Um, 
Next up, we heard in your interviews with uh, Antonio Williams, the Buffalo Bills running back, and Xfinity driver Joe Graff Jr. Yeah, that was cool to have some new faces on. You know, that's something that we uh, we did over the course of the year uh, last season. And, and Joe's somebody who's, uh, you know, got uh, a pretty good bit of sim experience. So, so it was good to, to talk about him and uh, mainly talk about his journey, uh, you know, kind of through the ranks of, of racing. And um, he's somebody who, if you're on the service, I'm sure you've probably bumped into and, and hosted or some of the official stuff. Um, and then, of course, with Antonio, somebody who I hadn't you know, been able to to learn much about until pre-race when we kind of went through our, our interview debrief and what we were going to talk about and stuff, uh, you know, and I alluded to it. And he talked about, um, you know, the charity thing with uh, with Alvin and everything, um, how many NFL guys are getting involved Um you know, on social media and, and getting out to the races and, and trying to get, uh, you know, expose a broader audience uh, to NASCAR and, and subsequently eNASCAR. So uh, always cool. We can we can talk with uh, some people. And uh, I think that we'll have plenty more uh, unique faces and, and new faces uh, in the works, um, you know, for the next couple of races. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with the, the green flag racing going on uh, through this second uh, uh run basically and not much changing up front uh, you know everyone's kind of just spread out running uh it was a good timing to have the interview uh, we also saw a new sponsor doordash has been added to the mix yeah that was awesome you know um we were able to uh keep asus on as a sponsor for this year and then uh doordash with a, a limited sponsorship for the uh first half of the race um you know they've been super involved once they kind of got introduced to the sport um, getting on Bubba's car last year with uh, Richard Petty Motorsports, and obviously they even stepped up even more um, with 2311. Um, they're running the DoorDash car, Denny Hamlin Racing, retooled into 2311 this year uh, for the Coke Series. So they've been on Mitchell DeYoung's car for the first few weeks, and uh, now as a sponsor on the broadcast is, is cool, right? I think that's what we need more of is I think when there's companies reaching out, and wanting to get involved in this as opposed to maybe in the past when it's been the other way around. Um, I think it's cool to see those people that are sponsoring and supporting, you know, guys in the cup series and maybe NASCAR as a whole in the likes of Coke, who's a premier partner um, for them to want to get involved in this as well is only good news. Uh, and it means that there's eyeballs, right? They're not going to put their sponsorship dollars and put the name in front of something where no one's watching. So uh, they see value in it and, uh, you know, I think it'd be cool if we get a couple more partners on, but it's it's cool to have DoorDash being a part of it. Yep. And then next is our green flag stop startup again at 48 to go. Um, Bob Bryant cycles to the lead because he's on that one stop strategy, uh, but it doesn't take long before he starts falling back after that um, on the older tires. But uh, 29 to go it was the top three um, that been the same since the start of the race. Uh, it makes me think track position was huge. When no one makes mistakes, and and kind of fast forwarding to uh, the Luza post race interview, he was saying, "Man, I, you know, I got close to him, to the leader, uh, coming out of the pit stops there after the second run, and I I really should have made my move then because after that, you know, I just couldn't get to him, and so it was all about track position, especially qualifying. Well, yeah, and and in the case of the guys on the front row, so Keegan had told Tim. Um, you know, when we talked to him on the grid, when we were rolling around on the pace laps, he said that he really wasn't sure 
what they had race wise, right? So that's why he was hoping that the track position was going to help out. We've, you know, kind of known that this package is going to mean that track position is important on all these intermediates and even Homestead, even though it's a little bit different. Uh, I know that Bobby Zelensky, who started second and, you know, dropped out, so didn't really get a chance to fight in this one, but uh, he qualified second and said that, you know, kind of expected that out of Q, but he was really uncomfortable with his race pace. So it would have been interesting to see if he would have been able to maintain and guys like Mitchell DeYoung start third, drop back to 11. So there was plenty of movement, right? For a race that went green all the way. Michael Connie started 29th, went up to the top 10. So it wasn't the end all be all, but I think in those cases, you know, Michael Connie was a top 10 car. So getting through the twenties and the teens, little bit easier in the case of you know versus ryan losing and chris sherburn trying to get up to keegan right when they're when they're so evenly matched after pit stops i think the difference uh from Leahy to ryan was you know close to four seconds it, it got closer down to two kind of grew back to three so uh, it fluctuated up and down a little bit but uh, I, I think you're right in the point that if if they wanted to fight for it it would have had either had to happen early or you would have had to take kind of a big swing strategy wise and you know go for the undercut or go for the overcut um but but Keegan played it good by pitting in the middle, really didn't give them an opportunity to. Yeah, and, and you know, Keegan, no mistakes is really what it was. I mean, yep. he just was perfect. And so it was him winning the race. Uh, Luza, Shearburn, Lowe, Hurst, nice run for him. Vincent, Ottinger, Bryant, Novak, Conti, another caution-free race. Uh, as far as uh, the winner, you compared him to Kenny Humpy. And when you said that name, man, I haven't heard that name in a long time. Been a while, right? Uh, I'm always a fan of going through uh, my stat sheet that's got you know all the winners from every single race and, and kind of quickly comparing that stuff. And uh, I mean, yeah, Keegan's in a good spot. Uh, you know, you have guys like Kenny, some of the other guys over the years that have gotten a lot of wins. Um, and, you know, in the case of Keegan, somebody who I think is the best driver in this series, maybe without a championship to this point. Um, you know, I think that it's going to be tough, right? In this format, it's going to be tough. It wasn't always, you know, the the one race to win it all. So you could win 17 weeks, not win the 18th, and, and that's the way it is, right? So you do have to put a lot of resources uh, into the finale, which is going to be at Texas. So it's going to be at, um, you know, a, an intermediate track. But I think that Texas is a little bit more open at the end of the year than Homestead is. I think that's kind of a track where everybody's going to be pretty good compared to Homestead, where I think some guys uh, prefer it more than others. But two races to start the year uh, without cautions is pretty good. I I don't think we get through Vegas next week without one because that's kind of a track where I think everybody's going to be a bit more on top of each other uh, than they were this time by. But I think that goes to show that, you know, with a quarter of the field being rookies, uh, everybody's kind of assimilated into the group pretty good. And, and it's a, a very strong 40 car field this year, as far as, you know, guys driving within their means and, and doing a good job being smart. Yeah. And then uh post race, uh, we had the, on the Twitter, the tweet you mentioned from Bob Bryant already, uh, Casey Kerwin put up his two cents out there for anyone who wanted to, uh, wants to see it about this kerfuffle from last night. It was proven and shown to be an ISP issue. Being asked to act professionally isn't threatening. Uh, Kevin McAdams said that he had heard uh, three or f- from four or five sources that iRacing was threatening their drivers from airing their grievances after the race. Uh, he didn't like it. And there was a discussion on Twitter about it. Uh, I think you were part of it too, Evan. Yeah, always you know, always good to to kind of see what the drivers are saying, and I know that iRacing's preference is you know if if the drivers have feedback to to go to them directly, and that's why I mentioned earlier. I think the reason 
some drivers posted some things in frustration after the race that were gone shortly after is because, you know, in the race, iRacing wasn't going to put their long explanation for how they looked into the issues and why they made the decisions because that would have involved putting, you know, 20 PMs in, in all teams chat in the sim. Um, so I think that that's why once iRacing was actually able to contact the drivers, put it in the, in the drivers only forum, um, and, and I'm sure they sent an email or something as well. I think that's maybe why uh, some of those posts went away later is because uh, they just needed to to give iRacing an opportunity to explain it. And, you know, I, like I said, there's a lot of money on the line. There's high stakes. So I don't think anybody can fault them for, for being upset in, in the moment. And, uh, you know, to, to Bob Bryant's point, I think it'd be awesome if, you know, this can be used as a learning experience and we can kind of spell out a procedure for this going forward. So the drivers aren't as confused, I think, was the most frustrating part for them. Now, I'm glad you brought that up because apparently there is a procedure. Um, we did get a post from Steve Myers uh, yesterday, um, basically doing a, a long detail of what the issue was and what happened. Uh, part of this says... Mm-hmm iRacing has an internal broadcast failure policy for abnormally affecting multiple drivers during a world championship race. The first parameter of this policy is to continue running the race if possible. As the race continues, iRacing engineers are immediately deployed to investigate. Certain minimal, minimum thresholds of affected drivers are required for iRacing to consider halting, restarting, or rescheduling the race. Otherwise, a competition decision is made when the discovery process has been completed, et cetera. So they do, it does sound like they have a, a procedure. They just didn't meet the threshold of, you know, seven drivers wasn't enough to restart the race. Right. And, and that's why, you know, a lot of drivers wanted the race to be stopped right away um, when the drivers dropped out. And, and to the point that Steve made, and, and it's a policy that's included in our broadcast info, so we know, ha- how, you know how to handle it. Um, if that happens, what we're supposed to say, what we're supposed to do TV-wise, um, you know, they're not going to stop the race and then figure it out later because if you stop it and you didn't need to, then, you you know, you kind of messed up the race. So, uh, yeah, that's why it took them 20, 30 laps to look into it. And if after those 20, 30 laps, even if we're 40, you know, 50 laps into the race, if they'd come back and said, yeah, it was an issue with the server, um, you know, then you probably stop the race. And, and who cares if you ran the extra 30 uh, you know, you take that time to get it right. So there's definitely a policy in place. I think uh, to, to Bob's point was just making sure the drivers maybe are aware of it and, and the steps to to communicate that to the drivers. And fortunately, you know, we've we've had some issues where, you know, there's, there's some drivers who have dropped out of races here and there. I don't think we've had, um, you know, a huge issue in quite some time, which uh, overall is pretty positive, I would say. Yep. Um, so the Comcast issue, uh, specifically in the Northeast, uh, basically their connection on the backbone of their internet apparently dropped to where the ISP of, you know, iRacing's ISP. Um, and that's what cut those people off two or three times is what happened. Yeah. And that's why, as you mentioned, it wasn't just the one time. So even if there was a yellow, and they would have been, you know, brought back into the race, even if you get it back to the lead lap, then it just happens again 30 laps later. Do you do it again? Do we stop every time? You know, so that's why I, I think it's the right decision was to to run the race out because not everybody went out multiple times, but it was, uh, you know, the, the Comcast users, unfortunately. So it's just a rough deal. Um, you know, I, I think it's a little bit uh, maybe oversimplified to chalk it up to one of those 
sim racing deals, right? Like in, in real life, you'll have a part break on the car and you're out. In sim racing, you'll have an issue with your internet and, and stuff happens. But um, like I said, hopefully, um, whatever the issue is, um, it can be resolved because I would hate for those guys to be hindered by something out of both their control and out of iRacing's control, you know, for, for more than just that one race. Is sim racing getting important enough to have and pay for a backup internet source from a different provider? I mean, I know that there's a lot of people, uh, you know, who are, you know, you look at somebody like a Mitchell DeYoung and, you know, people with the, some of the larger sim orgs, I'm sure they're, uh, they've got fail safes and, and all kinds of stuff at the higher level. Uh, but we're racing for $300,000, right, in this series. So um, I think as a driver, you're going to want to, uh, especially if you were affected by this, to to look into options for certain. I mean, there's there's no fail safe, right? Any backup is still going to, uh, you know, you can't just switch and not lose connection or anything. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, when, when the series races were in official racing, as opposed to now it's in a league, I know they had dedicated servers. So if there was an issue, you know, site-wide with, you know, maybe a lot of, uh, stress on the servers and and all that you know just from a lot of people on the sim itself it wouldn't affect these races so i know that those are mitigation efforts that have been taken so uh you know everybody is certainly trying to do whatever you can and you know when you have a new issue like this arise then uh you you try to create a way to make sure this doesn't happen again and you know in a couple months in a couple years we'll find something new (laughs) we always do And, and you just hope that you can figure out how to stop it from happening more than once all right well very good um well, thank you, Evan Pasoka, for coming back again here in 2021, talking Coke racing with us. We love to watch your broadcast and uh, been very entertained so far. What are we expecting next week? Uh, it's my hometown track, so I may be a little bit biased, but I love Vegas. Vegas has uh, always been a fun track, uh, and it's been a track where you've been able to historically work multiple grooves on the racetracks. I think even with, uh, you know, the current state of affairs on the sim, I think you're going to have options. You're not going to have drivers uh, all just in one line. And of course, the way the package races, you're going to be a lot more on top of each other than you saw at Homestead. Even if we have longer green flag runs, um, because it's Vegas, I'll say that if I'm a betting man, I would not bet that we have three straight caution free races. I just don't see it. Um, But we've had races at this track with very few yellows in the past. Um, so that's an important thing to keep an eye on. And also, I know it's only two weeks in, so it's not a shocking stat that we've had two different race winners in two weeks. Uh, but keep an eye on how many we get, right? Because the chances of it happening this year are less likely than last because it's a shorter regular season. So there's less races for it to happen with. And we've expanded the playoffs from eight to ten. So it's less likely than it's been in years past. But there's always a chance that with ten playoff spots and 14 regular season races that a win may not necessarily lock you in. Now, if you got guys like Leahy getting three wins, Luza getting three, you know, those guys who historically over the last two, three years have gotten several a year. It takes that off the board. But we learn a lot at these intermediates. Um, so, we'll, you know, we'll see if, uh, that's in the cards. I think it'd be fun if we get a bunch of different race winners and get us some drama later in the year. Tire management, tire management. That's what it's yep. going to be at Vegas. All right. Well, we're uh, happy to have you, Evan. Thanks. We'll see you on the next, uh, next time, uh, after Vegas. Yep. We'll catch you guys next week. All right. Cool. One to be a sign of things to come. Final time at a turn four. Keegan Leahy, your 2021 winner at Homestead.
the Porsche series, or is it Porsche? <laughs> it's a Porsche, Porsche. Uh, yeah, so uh, Saturday was uh, the Porsche Super Cup Series brought to you by Tag Heuer, and they were at Road Atlanta. So Saturday afternoon, um, and Josh Rogers, Josh Rogers, man, he uh, he delivered a double victory. He won the sprint race, then went ahead and go ahead and win the main feature as well. So he really maxed out the points in that race. Um, he's really starting to spread out a pretty sizable lead over second place. Almost, I think it's I think it's a full race weekend worth of points is his lead right wow. now. So he's really he's really got a big lead right now. Um, so. Uh, it was it was actually a really interesting race. Uh, it was actually he was actually in third on the last lap, and uh, boy, the last two turns, uh, uh, Mitchell DeJong and uh, Kevin Ellis Jr. they they made contact in front of in front of Josh Rogers, and uh, he used that opportunity to just get right by both of them and take the victory on the last lap. So it was a really great finish. Uh, so yeah, if you you want to go back and watch that, it's a it's a really good finish to watch. Um, so. Uh, so Josh Rogerster takes the lead. Uh, Tommy Ustgard takes second, and Kevin Ellis Jr. finished in third. So uh, check that out, guys. It's still on uh, iRacing's uh, website. So uh, also in that race, in that uh, race day was the Saturday All Star race, and uh, so uh, Matt Campbell he takes the win in the All Star race, and uh, Emily Jones uh, finished second, and Jaros, uh, Jaroslav Hanzik finished in third and actually uh it was pretty interesting matt malone who is uh you know live stream superstar he made his series debut and he's going to be trying to make the rest of the uh races i think he finished in sixth place yeah i did get a, to watch part of that race um while i was kind of working but um it was i like these races where you get to see these uh people that i usually don't see um i guess i don't i'm not following the twitch community that much but um they focused in on this Emily Jones quite a bit because she was running really good. And um, it was interesting to watch her get around the track. And then, of course, Matt Malone, his first run in the series. Uh, but as far as Josh Rogers goes, I mean, that one race point lead. Um, I mean, in sim racing, it it almost feels like you, you need that. That should be part of the strategy because, hey, anything can happen. You can miss one of these races. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, it's he's he's been so consistent with top i think the first week he had like a 20 23 position right but um but other than that he's been like first or second in all the sprint and main races after that okay uh next item we have the botim split oh we've got a little proofreading there on the script to do eh? uh the bottom split acquires eraser uh they announced it on their twitter that they have acquired eraser and they're going to be giving out more info more information as it becomes available now the eraser.gg that's the uh landing castle and parker kligerman and uh josh mendoza i think is his name that they, they're putting on that big event with the uh unrestricted car they did the firecracker 400 and all that now bottom split obviously uh they're a broadcasting uh group and uh supposedly they bought them out i don't know exactly what the terms are but uh on twitter you, you know both handles were interacting with, with each other as if it's a done deal so uh we'll have to see what this actually means uh how does it affect the ongoing races that 
uh, eraser.gg is putting up or what? Well, I hope it doesn't mean that Landon stops running things because they, they've been putting on some really nice events. Well, and I think that's part of the magic of it is having Landon and Parker involved in um, they They bring in people, you know. He's always got hundreds of people on his stream and stuff and uh, because he is a NASCAR star. And uh, I think that's a, a big key to making everything work. Well, more to come later. Um, next item, Greg, do you use your virtual mirror? Actually, yeah, I do. I was kind of looking at this and trying to figure out. So do they have a fix for it here? I, I, I've never actually seen um, the ability to to change the virtual mirror. I, use, I just use whatever it's set at as default. No, what David Hall post, David Tucker posted, David Hall, David Tucker from the iRacing staff, he posted, he's checking in code now to fix this or to adjust this. So that means it'll be in the upcoming release. Uh, he said in the app I and I, you can adjust uh, virtual mirror size one to uh, two or three. So one is the biggest, then two is small and three is extra small. It's kind of nice to have that option because in VR, I, I know Mike, you wouldn't know what it's like in the VR, but it is pretty pretty big at the top of the screen in VR, depending on what you got going on there. I kind of, I guess, I've grown so used to it since we went VR, though, that I keep it that way because I don't really have to look up. It's big enough that it really it just picks up in my peripheral vision. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and another thing we saw on the uh, on this forum link is some people were like. Uh, you know these cars have mirrors why do you need a virtual mirror well i mean in the in the cup car you can't hardly see anything out of the back window especially depending on your driver's seating position if your position's a little off the standard position which which can happen you know you really get a skewed view of what's behind you and the, all the roll bars for me it's a safety thing you know i can I can. I feel like I can be a lot more safe when I can clearly see where these cars are behind me. And when you we, can see that you're about to get run over. Yeah, and the uh, in especially in the stock cars, most of the time you don't have the same level of spotting that you do in real life, where where they really don't have good good mirrors either. Uh, so it's better to have just a little bit more visual information to rely on instead of having to focus on just guessing because the, the in-game spotter is not always reliable. It's late because you're working off of a voice command too. So by the time they're actually inside, it's not before they get inside or outside. It's there as soon as they're there, that's when they're speaking, but it takes them a, a second to get that sentence out too. Right. I tell you what the Joel real timing visual spotter thing I'm running is a, is a game changer. It really has made it, huge difference uh from before i had it to, to after i've had it um as far as spotting and, be, and and being aware of the the cars around you because it's kind of a peripheral vision thing you're not focused on it but you see it when it flashes on the screen that the car is next to you and not behind you i mean you're you're notified basically that instant and you can see the the rate on how fast they're closing or how slow they're closing so I really highly recommend that kind of thing too. The spotlights work great too. It's too bad that the, you can't put float the JRT in uh, VR, but there's just no transparency option in the virtual reality when you put when you float any of the windows. 
Yeah, the, the Midwest simulation uh, spotlights are, are really good for that, for, um, you know, when cars are inside of you, too wide outside. But um, but they they won't give you any information as to cars coming up behind you, how fast they're coming up, where they're coming from. And that's the kind of thing this virtual mirror gives you that uh, is really hard to uh, really hard to see without uh, a real live spider spotter or um, or this virtual mirror being in place for me anyway. Do you think the people running VR will take some of these smaller mirror options now that David Tucker's going to add them in? It'll just be a matter I'll, of personal preference, really. Yeah, I'm going to give a shot a little smaller just to see if I like it or not, because I'd rather have a little bit more um, more uh, area around the car to make it even more immersive. Like when I when I qualify and stuff like that, I turn it completely off when I know I don't have to worry about traffic, just because it's a it's a more realistic uh, view of the car. But, you know, when I'm in a race with traffic, I always have it on. But uh, I might change, mess with the size and see if I like a smaller size. If I do like it, if I'm good with the smaller size, I'll probably, I'll keep it as small as I'm comfortable with. I wonder if we'll have different preferences for different tracks or something, too. Like, you know, maybe at the restrictor plate tracks, you'll turn it up a little bit more so you can see a little bit more. I don't know. It just it, At least it gives you an option. Okay. Next one is a NIS standing start. It looks like one of the NIS sessions last week at the road course at Daytona began with a standing start, and it was confirmed in the forums by others in multiple splits. There was no comment from any of the staff from iRacing regarding the issue in the forums. Yeah, this was actually a really long for, uh, forum post. You know, a lot of people chimed in, but apparently uh, no one from the um, staff actually either saw it or had any comments to it. But that's interesting that that just that one that one session in multiple uh, splits, you saw these cars starting from the stop. And I'm assuming that's where they start in like uh, like IMSA and uh, those kind of races from a standing start, correct? No, no? IMSA's rolling. Uh, mostly it's an open wheel and a rally cross thing that does standing starts. Yeah, you would have. It would have been interesting to try and get those cars off the line, cold tires and everything. That would have been probably a bad start. There's a video on the last post of one of the participants who went through it on the eight minute mark. You can see the standing start. Uh, Pop Tart 7878 on YouTube put up the video. And uh, yeah, you're right. They get off to a pretty slow start there. Uh, and I think you know right away when you get in the car. It doesn't say stay behind the pace car and you're kind of waiting for those red lights to come up. I, I think everybody knows what that looks like. Um, so you would know instantly, uh, hey, this is about to be a standing start. Yeah, this it reminds me of you know, like if you set up your own um, your own uh, session that people could join and you just forget to set something the right way. That's what it kind of seems like to me. But um, you would think that would be all automated. Maybe something just went a little haywire. Imagine if you've basically never run a standing start because you only do ovals. And and a lot of guys, as soon as the car will, is allowed to move, they like to start inching forward just, just out of a ADD, right? Yeah. Like the rally cross. Rally cross cars start that way. And I've jumped that start probably half a dozen times. Yeah, you got to hold that brake until the green light for sure, um, or you'll get a penalty. Brian, tell us about these blackout dates. Yeah, so um, Dan Wilson, he posted in the forum that he noticed that sometimes when he's using the uh, UI and tries to create a test session for the month 
is grayed out and you can't select the month you know when you're setting up the time and date for your track i mean he's curious why that was why that was happening in the forums so uh he actually got a response from staffer jimmy van veen and he noted and he noted that um that not every track is available to drive uh year round 24 7. so there's blackouts when when you pick a month that the uh, sim is not set up race in so that's why uh you might see a blackout in the date of the month when you uh when you try to set up these test sessions what is it to mimic the real life counterpart you know so california speedway they never have events in december or january so they just block them out on the sim as well yeah or, or maybe it's like a winter thing you know a track that's uh in the and has a like a harsh winter maybe you can't select the months that uh a winter would would be in and they would be racing you know new hampshire right and January. Yeah, yeah, or uh, up in Wisconsin, those kind of tracks. Well, it's getting close to season two or season two time, right? And one of the first things we're going to talk about, as far as updates go, are the IRO one updates. Greg Rest put out an announcement for some changes. They are dropping the race to forty-five minutes and moving it to the B level. Um, they're also switching to standing starts and making some adjustments to the tires and gearing to make that more manageable. They are bringing in the new damage model, and they've uh, made quite a few other setup-specific changes that you can check out if you go read the website. They do note that on the week 13, they're going to have this car available to run in some fun series to allow people to try out the new changes. And notice on the schedule, guys, week two, Hockenheim. So that's confirmed, right, for the build? One of the things I noticed in this uh, release was that the uh, that he says that the fall off of the soft and medium tires have been significantly increased. So uh, I, I'm assuming that means that you could run these soft and medium tires and get away with running them uh, a lot lot harder than you would normally run and be able to get away with. So uh, maybe there was some uh, issues where people were complaining that you know these uh, these soft and medium tires are almost as good as the hard tires except they don't have the grip well they're supposed to have more grip but they wear out they're supposed to fall off quicker that's what i mean that they don't they don't the other ones have just as much grip they have more grip than the hard tires but they don't wear off as much but they also made these changes because they're making the race shorter so they want to make it actually matter to so that's one of the reasons they're making the tires fall off i haven't bought this car but i'm i've been contemplating it just because I'm not into doing the setups and all that. And this is a real straightforward kind of driving car. And I love the idea that they're, they're making tweaks, they're adjusting, they're making it better because, you know, this is going to be their go-to car for world championships, supposedly pretty cool. Kind of glad that they moved that to a B license. It seems like a tougher car to drive than, than you would want some of the guys that might not have quite as much experience or, or have trouble with uh, handling cars like Yeah, and while we're talking about open wheels, uh, Greg, or I'm sorry, Brian, I was going to move us on, but you got something else? No, no, it was uh, just along those same lines, I think. So, good, uh, Greg. Greg's going to tell us about Stagger. So it looks like Greg West posted uh, for starting uh, start times um, for season two, um, wanted to give a heads up that they were adjusting some of the start times to stagger them a bit different uh, to 
you know, for a little bit of the open wheel start time so that they can get probably more participation, right? Because it was lower. Um, so they also, so, so what he, so what he posted is wanted to give a heads up, uh, starting the season two, we have adjusted the start times for the series slightly, or for this series slightly. This is, uh, was done in a couple series in order to stagger higher level open wheel start times a bit. Uh, in addition to moving to the B license, this series will now start at two or two o'clock GMT. Uh, so what are they talking about the, the, the new Delara car. Delara series. So it's about, all yeah. so it's all a part of that same post or that same car. So yeah, lots of changes. I mean, the time is to get the drivers, you know, from one car to the other, you know, so they can go back and forth. So it's on even hours, and so that'll that'll go against a different series on you know the odd hours, and and you can just race all day long. Next up is uh, testing the new damage model. Speaking of that new IRO1, it does have a, a new damage model, and iRacing posted up a video on the Instagram and social media of that damage model testing. Um, looks like a fun job for the iRacing employees to, to get a video created by, hey, let's try to wreck these things, the, the biggest wreck we can come up with. Yeah. You, you kind of wonder how that goes through the offices at iRacing. You know, they send an email out. They say, "Hey guys, uh, grab the grab the IR one car. We're going to crash these things like crazy and test out this model." So, yeah, I imagine that's probably a pretty fun deal when that that memo comes out, or however they wind up doing that testing. Yeah, there were a couple different videos actually. The one we have here is the Formula Renault 2.0. And man, they really shattered some up at Long Beach into a million pieces. So uh, it's not Black Friday, is it, guys? Because uh, apparently iRacing is uh, offering a uh, discount for their two-year renewal um, in conjunction with the uh, upcoming start of season two. So uh, yeah, these these discounts don't don't come by very often, but but other than Black Friday, but. They are doing a 25% off a two-year renewal of uh, of your subscription. Um, that is going to end on March the 8th is when this uh, offer expires. So so if you're looking to uh, – your, uh, your renewal is coming up soon and you want to jump the gun and get a little extra discount, you can get uh, what was regular $199, uh, 25% off for $149.25. So uh, – Go ahead and take take advantage of that because these discounts don't come very often. I was gonna say, uh, it sounds like they maybe are doing this, trying to get some hype going here, while well, as they're gonna have the pro invitationals and things like that going on. So people are gonna have more awareness on like seeing all this stuff going on, and uh, you know, just drive people to the sim and have a little bit of a lower price to start them off. This is really a surprise out of nowhere. Um, because over the last so so many years, I mean, you could set your clock by the way they do their discounts. They're at a certain time of the year. You know, I think it was at 4th of July and then Black Friday. Um, this is like not even a holiday or anything, and it's just, boom, here it is. It may line up well, with, with, with when a lot of people's subscriptions from starting up on the COVID boom are, exactly. are going to expire. Wow, that's a good point. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. They probably got a lot of brand new subscribers uh, right about this time last year 
with their uh, with the COVID stuff that hit, and uh, they just want to make sure all those people hang around and give them a little discount to do that. It's a smart idea because uh, there was a there was a big boom, and you might as well try and keep as many as you can. Like, yeah, how many people bought during that boom that are going to let it lapse here? You know, in a few days when their their subscription is up. Yeah, I think I think that's got a lot to do with that. It's, a, it's good marketing, I believe. So, good for them. Well, we also have somebody who has gotten their subscription back. It looks like. So, uh, I guess it's Justin Champagne. Uh, noticed, I guess, in a session he was in, um, Kyle. Lark- yeah, he's back. I guess he's. I heard somewhere that he has been back since December, actually. Um, but uh, yeah, you remember he got suspended last. Uh, spring during one of landing castles events on mother's day uh, the monza madness and it, it's kind of weird because obviously no one's gonna they're not going to talk about reinstating him or anything like that but everything that's been going on with kyle since nascar started up and all that he's kind of low-key like everything has been low-key there's they had a little bit of talk at the big day 2500 but everything else is just he's been going around his business and and just staying out of all the, the 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 light, I mean, he could have he could have easily won last weekend if he didn't wheel hop. It's good to see him back, though. Yeah, and actually, um, I saw him in a. I I follow him on uh on iRacing, so if he's on in a session when I jump in, I'll, I'll see that he's on there. And I actually saw him in there a couple of days ago, so it looks like he's doing a good bit of good bit of racing now. Is it him or uh, his son? <laughs> That's a good question. You're not supposed to share uh, IDs, though. That's not supposed to happen. All right. We have a fan video up next. Junk Knuckles. He retreated it. And I guess this is an old video because he thinks either that or, or no, he thinks it's his best one since 217. And it features a lot of the dirt midgets. I love this video. Or not midgets. Because of the sound, too. Yeah, it's, it's really put well together. And it's not dirt midgets. It's the wings, winged cars. Yeah, it's like a music yeah. video kind of style. Um, and uh, if you love racing dirt, you're going to love this video. And he's a good follow on the on the Twitter, uh, Junk Knuckles. Um, he runs a league out there in a league called Court. And they're a bunch of rowdy rowdies. And uh, and they, they put out some pretty neat content, him and his friends. Now, at the end of the video, the... He, he got the front axle broken and the, the left front tires like sticking way up in the air, but he's still trying to, you know, make his laps and uh, it's pretty interesting. It likes to zoom in on a particular fan too. I think that's kind of funny. Yeah, that was funny. And it lines up perfectly with the, the lyrics of the song. It's actually really entertaining. Yeah. Check it out on our show notes. Don't forget. You can see those at iracerslounge.com. Next car, uh, next is, is the uh, Indy car at Tally. It is different, uh, says Callum Lucas, who posted in the forums a thanks to whoever is responsible for the boost changes for the fixed Indy car races at Talladega. The races have been cleaner, and you could run multiple lines, not having to hug that yellow the whole time. It makes the fixed super speed, speedway races a lot more enjoyable. So I haven't tried it yet, but I'm fascinated to try it now that he said that. Yeah, me too. I, I haven't raced uh, Indy at Talladega. I've done the the uh, ones at the uh, Monza Super Speedway, and uh, yeah, it's, it's it it was like that where you had to stay low 
Otherwise, you would, you know, it was hard to pass and it got really squirrely. Um, so I'll have to try that out as well because I think uh, I think that would be a lot of fun. If you can get if you can get these cars running right at Talladega, that opens up some really cool racing possibilities. Yeah, and and the, the Dallara IR01. I mean, I know that's a road car, but maybe they can do a, a you know a version or a setup or whatever to, for a super speedway. You know, so we can run it at the iRacing Super Speedway or Tally. That would be a fun car too. Be interesting with all that uh, with that V10 screaming down the straightaway. I mean, right. I mean, IndyCar has different packages for different tracks. You know, uh, we can do the same. Guys, uh, this Sunday started the uh, VCO Pro Cup of Nations, and uh, Brad uh, Philpot he uh, he put a uh, posted a video on his Twitter account where uh, he's he was uh, racing behind Robert Wickens and Tom Ingram, and uh, he, where Tom Robert Wickens just destroys Tom Ingram's car at one of the turns on Spa, and. Uh, it was it was really neat to see him talking about it and commenting on it as he's uh, watching this thing. Uh, he's got a you know he's a he's a he's a British driver and and he's using interesting language, uh, saying that they were racing naughty and stuff like that. It was cute, but uh, it was pretty. It was uh, it was neat to watch. Yeah, Greg, you got a kick out of this video, didn't you? Well, the the thing that makes it funny is he's so confident about the past. He's like. He's like, oh, I got past him, and he's talking about it, and then, and then it just gets worse. Whatever when they get into together later on in the corner, and they take a wick, and it's like, <laughs> it's just my fellow Canadians get getting ganged up on. But you know, uh, it's uh, it's an interesting. Uh, I like the way that they do the styles of these things, where it's countries, because it's interesting watching the big flagged cars all drive around. They're like, they're all done up like they're like the, their national flags, and they look really interesting to. On, on camera. Yeah, it's kind of the fun to hear the interaction and stuff on this video. Yeah, uh, they're, they're, they're telling him, uh, they're telling Brad, you know, that was a really good move. He's like, yeah, I'm supremely talented. Yes, yeah, <laughs> saying things like that was, was really funny. We have a new in-game UI coming, and it's announced by Tony Gardner in response to a question asking, if there is a new end game. And he said, yes. Also, we have a reply by Tyler, who's been, uh, Tyler Hudson, who's been kind of keep trying to hold his tongue about it and is excited about it. They say that it's going to be much more intuitive and has a modern console game design. Uh, couldn't find any pictures or screenshots. So right now it's just, uh, they're taking their word for it. So this means like when you're in the sim and you go to the garage or you go to the options, right? Probably, yeah. Or you look at the results or the uh, lap times or whatever. I mean, what are you guys expecting there? Is it going to have the same look and feel probably of the beta UI? Probably. I'm uh, no telling. I just hope it does. They don't leave stuff out like like they did with beta UI for a long time. Well, I, I think it's going to be a change to what we see as the beta UI as well. Because Tony Gardner in his uh, post, he says what what you're now seeing as the current UI was really a design from many years ago and that this new, new design is supposed to be the one that's more intuitive and more game console feel to it. So I think it's going to be more than just in game. I think it's going to be also, uh, you know, uh, in your, in our opening menus, just as we got used to the one that's uh, that we're working with now. 
He says a reskin, if you will, to oversimplify it. We hope to roll it out toward the end of the year. Okay, that's pretty cool. I guess it's, I don't think it's ever changed really since I've been on iRacing. Well, they've just changed like some of the, like the screens and stuff, like it, when you're, you're going to stuff, but the rest of the like setup screens and all that have been the same since day one. Right. Greg, you were just telling me about this one the other day on TeamSpeak, asking if I'd be interested in running it. Was it me? I don't know if it was me. But oh, this is the one I was interested this in. This is the one that Mike was interested in, I think. Yeah, so Greg West uh, posted in the forums that they're going to fix or uh, a GT Challenge, or GT3 Challenge fixed series is incoming for Season 2. Um, and it looks like it's it's obviously all the GT3 cars. Uh, isn't this kind of like the VRS? Oh, the VRS series was open, though, wasn't it? This will be uh, the counterpart to the Ferrari GT Challenge fixed that I like to run sometimes. This will run opposite hours of that. So you can run the Ferrari race and then you can run the GT3 race. And these are 20 minute sprint races. I like it because I want to be, I, I like if I'm running the road and I'm, I'm in the groove, I, you know, I want to jump from one series to the other and keep racing, um, you know, and not have to wait for the next race. You also have a lot less time to mess up, right, in those 20 minutes? Yeah, that's that true. That's true. Well, guys, uh, Jordan McKay, who is uh, an iRacer, he was able to get into a cup car session at Miami Homestead with a full field of actual NASCAR Cup drivers, as well as some Coke drivers. And uh, he actually posted the video of his experience on his YouTube channel so um so yeah somehow uh he was able to get to a um hosted session uh that was just completely filled with uh real drivers and coke drivers and uh <clears throat> you can listen to him chat on his video uh talking back and forth and stuff like that it's really cool dale jr's in there as well you know uh denny hamlin Kyle, or kurt bush is in there they're talking a lot i saw uh, casey kerwin and um and uh, some of the Coke drivers were in there as well. So, uh, man, I don't, I don't know how he got into it. If if he wasn't invited, I'd be surprised if it wasn't password locked. If they created a, a hosted session, but he, he got said in there uh, he did say how he said that he was in a different hosted session with Denny Hamlin, and Denny announced the password to the room to everybody in the room. Oh, and cool, so he just cool. went in there and and he he said he just helped himself. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, uh, the race, uh, from what I could see, was a <laughs> a pro series type of a wreck fest, a pro invitational type of wreck fest. They couldn't get one lap in 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 a couple tries. So, uh, wow, it was it was interesting though. It's man, how cool must that be to be be in a session like that with all these pro guys? Well, that's what I'm saying. You look at the relative and you look at the names. I'm just going to read off what I see here. Denny Hamlin, Timmy Hill, Garrett Smithley, Alex Bowman, Chase Briscoe, uh, Ryan Truex, Kurt Busch, Bobby Labonte, Anthony Alfredo, Austin Dillon, Austin Sendrick, Kyle Larson. I know uh, Keegan Leahy was in there because uh, uh, I know Denny was asking for a lot of information, trying to uh, trying to get some help from, uh, from Keegan Leahy. So, uh, yeah, some big, big names in there. Yeah, it, it's fascinating to listen to, uh, not really watch the race, because like you said, it wasn't much of a race. But um, to hear Denny ask Keegan, uh, well, 
you know, you can get a wave around and, you, you know, do I just stay out, you know, in front of the leader or how do I throw a, a caution? You know, he's he, the admin, obviously, and he's asking questions about how iRacing works, basically. So this is the video from, even though he, uh, it was posted recently, the video is from last year when the Invitational was just starting. We've hit this topic many times, how exciting it is to get to race with all these drivers, too. Uh, we particularly have gotten to see Elliot and Hermie Sadler a lot in the NIS races. Uh, but, I've, I've, you know, we've been on the track with Junior and uh, quite a few times, as well as his, his old spotter, TJ, right? Um, and it's always fun. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, Tom Brady recently won a Super Bowl. How many guys get to hop onto Madden? And, and have a nice game of Madden 21 with, with Tom Brady, right? You won't, you won't see Brady on that, but I know what you're getting at there. Um, it's always nice to to race with your idols, I guess. Like, you, you know, that's kind of, it kind of draws you, it makes your day thinking about, oh, I can race with, with you know, I, I, I know we don't see it. Like, obviously, I would, I would love to race with like Jeff Gordon or something like that, but these things to have these events going on, it just draws people to it, right? It draws people to the hosted sessions. People always be going to the hosted sessions each night, seeing if there's more of them. And it's a safe place for them to interact with fans as long as they're kind of careful what they say, right? Well, I'm, I didn't know. I noticed Larson's was in there. Was his chat banned? He's been gone for almost a year, so probably not. <laughs> so if you remember back in March or April, I was able to... Uh... Uh, ghost a practice um, that these guys were in and I was watching what they were doing um, trying to burn the tires before running a Q lap like Kurt Busch was doing it like crazy and so I got to witness something similar to this but this is cool because this guy got to race with them on track um, what's different than what you described David when we're running with Elliot Sadler brothers and whatnot is this is all of them. This is not just some of them. It's like the entire NASCAR field, practically. Um, and that's what is kind of unique about it. I got the next one. Uh, the 87 Legends is getting a new schedule. Uh, Tyler, Huston, Tyler Hudson posted up in the forums uh, for season two what they're going to do. They're basically, they're going to move it to every two hours um, with races at the 30-minute mark um, on odd hours, um, the races will be longer with three tire sets. Um, and they're gonna, it looks like all ovals, of course. Looks, uh, looks like a good schedule. Mm, Silverstone is on there. Whoa, Silverstone. Yeah, I didn't see that. Unless they have that as a placeholder. Where would that placeholder for? Like, you think they would have something like Silverstone, Watkins Glen? You think they'd have Watkins Glen or like the old Sonoma or something on there? Maybe, maybe yeah. they meant Sonoma. It's Legacy Silverstone. They're it in a Legacy Sonoma. Yeah, that, that is like odd. Considering all the different tracks that are listed there are North American ovals, and then all of a sudden you got a road course from England. Mike, have you raced any of these Legends cars on a road course yet? Watkins Glen, I have, yes. It's fun. What's not fun is in this car is Martinsville. It just doesn't turn. You get down to the corner and that you have to stop and turn that thing and then go. And don't get me started on Talladega in that car. I can't get once you get on clean air, it just comes around. Oh, I'm sure yeah, it looks set, like 
the set we have now for restrictor plate racing might work for it. And uh, it says it's not confirmed yet, but they're also looking to make it a Class B license coming up. Cool. I was kind of trying to see if it found out that was a typo or any something for that Week 9 Silverstone, but there's not much ad. It looks like nobody's noticed it in the forums either. I might have to just run that week just for the for the laughs. It's it's a little disorienting, though, when you run the old Silverstone because the start-finish line is not in the same place, and you can really forget where you are. Well, that's the thing. The the old the old start line is like the backstretch part of the track now. Well, it's like three quarters, isn't it? Three quarters it's, of the track. It's, it's not too different from what they did with uh, with Phoenix, where they just basically flipped it around. Twenty five laps. That's a long road course race at Silverstone in those cars. And speaking of those cars, they get the new damage model. Uh, this is the second video put out this week about it. This one was well done, though. <laughs> like, really well done. Um, I don't know who gets to crash these cars and, uh, and, and make these videos up, but it looks like it's a blast. But uh, So basically, they're showing the street stock, the new Delara, uh, the Legends car. Uh, what was the other ones? The Renault 2.0. Street stock. Yeah, the street stock's an interesting one because I thought I honestly thought they would have had it already, but I, I guess I just I'm no I don't ever really run the street stock, but the the Monte Carlo and the Thunderbird for the eighty seven look really good when they get damaged. They do, and the street stock with damage. I mean, we we can do proper demo derbies now. Yeah, and I think the other thing um, Bobby was saying when we was and I noticed it too when you're watching this. When the car like loses, um, it looks like some of the physics for how the car slides has changed. So like if it loses a tire and it's digging in with the, it'll slow down a little bit faster. Um, it looked like it was digging into the grass too, maybe a little bit when it was uh, missing a tire. If you got one of the open wheel cars without a tire, it would roll it. The carnage is amazing. That's why the video is fun to watch. Well, the amount, the amount of tires that come off the cars, like the 87 car especially, whenever they wreck, the tire comes off, and it just is flying down the track. Uh, 87s didn't have the tether, did they? No, 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 they did not. They barely had the drivers strapped in, let alone having the tires. Yeah, you might have to see the drivers fly out of the car. I like. I just think it's interesting with that 87 car, because they got the blowovers too, right? Yeah, I kind of like the new Delara. I, uh... The new Delara car, the high-end open-wheel car, the way it looks after it wrecks, it's pretty freaking cool. You think they were probably developing that as they were making the car, and they just hadn't gotten to... They were doing a whole bunch. They wanted to have a whole big update for the next season with that car, maybe let everybody race it for one full season before putting the damage model on it. I don't know what the thinking is. I would think, why not wait until it's completely done, you know? Well... I think, sorry, Brian, I would think that they're, as they're building all these cars now, so anything new coming in, they're going to be, they're going to be creating the damage model with it, right? There's no sense in, you, you might as well do everything all at once. Well, if, if they want to use this, these, this car for a, uh, a world championship, I'm sure they want to get as many of the kinks out before that starts as they can. So maybe that's why they're starting to trickle some of this stuff out early and get some testing in it before they, they go that route. Well, that's a good point. I mean, they announced a bunch of changes here for next season to the car. Um, and 
you know, would they have known what to change if we hadn't run season one, right? So it, it's a work in progress. What you running this weekend, David? Uh, we're going to try to survive Mount Panorama. I love that track. It's a lot more fun in the uh, in the GT car than it is in, in the that supercar. Yes. No, 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 no. Um, Nothing as long like as you heavy, have a heavy car. As long as you have the right traction control settings. Uh, we'll go, I'll, go ahead, I'll go ahead and tell you this story. I started off the week practicing, and I could not keep the car straight over at the top of the hill. And then I, fin- I finally, yesterday, figured out what kept going on. I got Richie to hop on and coach me through some laps. And right before he got on, I was like, I, I realized, oh, yeah, my traction control is being set by the wheel even if I don't turn it. And it was changing. The setup was supposed to be a, have a traction of eight, and it was on one. <laughs> and you had, and you have it set to your toggles, right? Or the it's the, it's on it's on my wheel on on the uh, rotary dials. dials. Yeah, rotary dials. So it was automatically actively switching it to one, which is like no traction control. So every every time I was at the top of the hill, I would spin out. It was ridiculous. But um, it's running in four splits. The, the race will be or not four splits four different start times so you can you can start on friday this weekend at 22 under gmt or 7 12 and 16 gmt i think we're gonna on actually saturday. run on saturday yeah i think we're gonna run the 1600 one because uh, i think we want to have richie start and not make him get up at 4 a.m it's at mount panorama License D 4.0. The sim start time is on the 27th of February at 5:05 a.m. At that time, it's pitch black. Uh, then it'll and then the sun rises about an hour later. Uh, the actual green flag actually comes out at 5:45. Sorry, 30-minute warm-up qualifies attached with eight minutes, 12 hours. You have to register all the drivers that are going to run. It's got 50 50 incidents for the first drive-through and 20 every other drive-through basically every gt3 car is running in the race that that is in the service and then there's a whole lot of information with the balance of power uh not going to go into too many details but they're actually specifically taking into consideration the elevation at this track because it's certain cars behave differently up on the mountain than other cars yeah it would probably be the way that a turboed car would would uh, react to a naturally aspirated car and that's exactly what they were referring to in the forum is the the mixed engines and the turbo engines are are different it's harder to compress air when it's very it gets thinner well we'll run it and try to survive it once i got the traction control right i the track was easier to drive and uh i turned some laps and had had a reachy pick up part a couple of specifics to fix i don't think uh greg's probably doing his usual procrastinating self and hadn't even been on the track yet Problem is, is I'll still be fast enough to get it, get around it. I haven't, I haven't even turned my sim on this week. I'll be honest. I, I probably, I'm gonna say I'm gonna practice after this, but David knows I probably won't. So what, uh, what cars are you guys driving for that race? We're gonna take the Mercedes. It's just a, it's just uh, one of the ones we know and I'm comfortable with. Is it just the three of us, or is there more than that? I haven't even. Yeah, it's just gonna be the three of us. Okay. So all, well, all we're in four hours apiece. I don't want to be the weakest link. I Actually, probably, you probably won't be. It's my favorite tracks, one of my favorite tracks, but I like it in the heavy V8s. Speaking of heavy cars, how about a heavy car going over a jump, Brian? 
Yeah, guys. So, um, so uh, with Bristol Dirt on the schedule this series, this season, um, iRacing tweeted that NASCAR will have done all of its disciplines except for one. So, so uh, they've done oval tracks, obviously, road races, road courses, and uh, dirt oval with Bristol. So, who wants to watch a dirt rally race with NASCAR? Dirt rally? Oh my. <laughs> yeah, I think it was just a, uh, you know, just kind of joke that that they've done all the disciplines except for the rally courses, the dirt road stuff. So, uh, so they're just putting it out there. Who wants who wants to go see this thing? Uh, but yeah, that would be a uh, that would be interesting. I guess you could do it without a jump. The jump would be ridiculous. But could you do a could you do a road course on dirt with uh, NASCAR cars? You could do the uh, Sonoma one. Just take the. The Sonoma tr- uh, dirt track at Rally Course, and just don't do that jump. If they could flatten that jump out. It'd be interesting to see how those cars go around it. Um, we did get a we did get a glimpse of uh, these cars on the uh, dirt oval uh, at Bristol uh, as a commercial, or I guess as a segment in the Cup race this weekend. Yeah, and if you, if you think about it, if you really want to get back to NASCAR's very basic uh, roots. They're, these guys are, you know, running, running rum through, uh, you know, through dirt roads in the in the hills. So, you know, that's really where they, where they originated from, right? Well, the original Daytona race was also on the beach. Yeah. So, if you look at the replies to the Twitter, um, that's exactly what Spencer H three said. David is, uh, why not bring this back with the old cars and everything? And he shows a picture of the Daytona Beach race down on the beach when it was an oval at the beach. Well, it was part oh, it was part dirt, part oh, pavement. They actually right. went onto a track. Went up onto the highway, down the beach, and then back onto the beach, right? So um, I think that's a great idea. I mean, we, we've done the North Wilkesboro and, you know, these tracks from the past. Why not? You know, there's enough photographic uh, evidence, I think, that iRacing could perhaps build this track. Uh, wouldn't you? Wouldn't we love a Daytona Beach track? I was gonna say this sounds something that Junior would be uh, advocating for on his uh, podcast, trying to uh, do all this stuff. If you heard this week's Dale Junior download, uh, he talks about uh, why he's gotten involved with um, ownership of or sta- put a stake in the Nashville uh, stuff. So that it sounds like he wants to. The reason he's trying to get into it is because he's really serious about trying to get the those cars onto a different track so you know if you if you ever get uh junior behind something i'm sure we, we can probably get it done if we could get him to want to do the uh beach i hope he sees that tweet so okay housekeeping the aftermath podcast records uh saturday and guess what it's the one year anniversary and I am going to be the special guest, uh, yours truly. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what kind of questions these guys can come up with for me. And uh, and we're going to have fun. So check that out. Don't forget our new website. It's iRacersLounge.com. What a great way to visually look at what you're listening to as you listen to the podcast. Brian and I were just talking about before the show how good the website looks on a smartphone. Um, if you look on your iPhone or Android at the show notes, uh, it's really easy to consume. Check it out. We are uh, recruiting a new member to the team and show, a content producer that's good 
with WordPress, available to be on the show weekly and runs NIS and other events that this team runs. If you are that person, reach out and uh, hit me up. Sports cars. Yeah, we'll take those guys too. Endurance. Well, yeah, that's what sports cars do. And if you can do setups, even better. And then don't forget that you've heard us talk about the Midwest Simulation Spotlights. We are an affiliate with them. So when you buy your spotlights from Midwest Simulation, use the coupon code iRacersLounge for 10% off. We're on the Performance Motorsports Network. Podcast Fantasy League. In a casual setting. Hey guys, uh, so uh, we'll go over fantasy real quick. Um, so uh, Bobby Jonas was in the lead after last week. He drops to second place. Um, he's uh, He took a, took a big bounce back from uh, the, the new leader. I'm not sure how you're going to say this thing. It's it's a weird, weird name. Uh, uh, G.I. Uh, Jojo? So, is that how it is? G.I. Yeah, Jojo? G.I. Jojo okay. 24. Okay. So G.I. Jojo 24, whoever you are. You are the new leader, and he's got a fifty-point lead already. So that's a pretty good lead. He must have had some some good uh, good, good uh, drivers last week. Um, Tony Groves drops. He's in fourteenth place. Uh, we got Tony uh, Rochette's in fifteenth, and Greg, you are in sixteenth. Uh, <laughs> Jedi McFly. That's a uh, that's a uh, Chris Gales. He's in twenty-six. Uh, Mike. Mike is in 29th. He's having a rough, rough go of it. Stephen Stephen Lou Allen's in 30th, um, and uh, I didn't even make the top 30. I, I I was so bad at this this past week, two weeks really. Uh, man, everybody who I picked was either damaged or did something dumb, and uh, man, I just got killed on this race. You know, I figured everybody probably picked uh, Chase Elliott, and uh, so I had him too. He didn't have a good result. And uh, and it's just just awful. This I'm going for the record for the worst uh, worst score ever by somebody who actually participated every week. Don't forget uh, Adam Jocelyn teammate is sitting up there in third as well. Oh yeah, Adam's third. Uh, so he's he's doing well too. GI JoJo's picks were just they just had the right. Uh, the right stuff to accumulate the most amount of points from last week. I'm just looking on the fantasy thing here. It was just, it was just enough just to pull that off. It wasn't, they weren't the picks that are winning picks, but it was enough to be a consistent top 10 picks. Gotcha. Well, check. So uh, yeah, good. Good. good I was going to say, check out the aftermath to get the entire rundown. They'll be, they'll be covering it a little bit more in depth this weekend. Yep. And then we'll be heading to Homestead. So don't forget to get your picks in before, uh, before this Sunday. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Hardware software, Apple has a headset, right? Uh, supposedly. We'll see. Uh, glancing through the article, there's even kind of questions. Are they really doing this or not? Uh, it's pretty in-depth. They're not. And it's, it's, it's a $3,000 price tag. And um, Brian, you didn't know this, but you probably should never give me anything Apple related because I basically think Apple is the Antichrist. So <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect, good job, Brian. Well, I can tell you right now, if it's an 8K per eye resolution, that's like twice the resolution of like uh, the Reverb G2. And uh, I mean, 
I don't know of any processor on the planet that's going to run that, you know, that's commercially well, available. If you dive a little deeper into it, it's got a chipset that actually will follow the focus of your eye and is running lower resolutions on uh, where your pupil's not focused. Uh, and so that's one of the places they're cheating the performance. It's just giving you the higher resolution right in the center of your field of view. There's from other podcasts I list to that are video game related or or hardware related like this stuff. There's even rumors that they're not even really serious about producing these. And if they are producing them, they're only going to have like one in per store, Apple store. So when they sell one, they'll order another one in. Like it, it seems like an odd tactic to, to bring it. I don't think they're serious. I'm thinking it's kind of, they're developing a technology that they're either going to sell with a computer system eventually or, or something down the road. Um, it, ju- it just, it, it's an odd thing to, they don't, I would think with the way that they would like to do it, they would integrate it with their phones. They like all their hardware stuff with their phones, not or computers. And do you think Apple's really going to put out a VR headset that'll plug into a PC? Right. That's, yeah. that's what I'm saying. They're not designing this for gaming. This is for other It's industry. almost like a, yeah, it's like some, they're, they're building it for medical some, somebody and, else. Or yeah. Corporate, medical, uh, that kind of uh, industry, not gaming. Exactly. But it'd be cool to try it. <laughs> Where did you guys get this image from that's on the website here? Is this on the article top? It's from the article, yeah. Okay, there. I opened it up. <laughs> that's What a weird image to start it, your article it, off with. It looks like it's out of some 1950s torture sci-fi movie. 60, 68. Yeah, there's no images, obviously, of this rumored Apple VR headset. So the uh, article put up. You know, just an old image of uh, some guy getting an eye test, it looks like. Next up, SimWorks ARB lever set. Man, these are beautiful. SimWorks has developed a realistic ARB level, level, excuse me, lever set with the added bonus of a brake bias adjuster all in the same neat package for 620 US. Race cars that have in cockpit adjustable Anti-roll bar adjusters, such as the Australian supercar, allow the driver to adjust the stiffness of their front and rear anti-roll bars while in race. Wouldn't you be able to use this? Doesn't the IndyCar have an anti-roll bar that they changed it too? But it's a weight jacker, actually, too. No, there is anti-roll bars in it, too. I think they could use for it as well. Mm-hmm. Generally, you put those on your rotary buttons. Yeah, I, I, you recognize these as the way that they show here in the image as kind of what they have when you look down at the floorboards in the in the VA card, the VA supercards. It looks like that. Yeah, especially if you run the particularly the V8 and you want your hardware to match the V8 hardware, this this will give you a top level immersion and functionality. Or if you're just Brian and you want everything because that's what your rig is, and you you already have a shifter and a brake, and oh, now we need some ARB level levels. Levers. He can use, he can use one of them for push to talk. <laughs> there you go. No, no, Those he would has to be buy, nice he has, for push to talk. No, actually. he needs to have like a five thousand uh, dollar shifter for push to talk. <laughs> hey, we we know um, who's going to um, switch to Apple VR when it, when it comes out. <laughs> I'm going to be the first one to build an Apple uh, iRacing rig. But I will spend $299, though, 
on a uh, SynSpeed iOS Dash app. Um, that's our next uh, product here. So SynSpeed, if you go to the um, App Store, uh, they have a uh, an app for $2.99, and it can display your speed, your gear, your RPMs, and other things. So, uh, so uh, you can basically turn your phone into like a telemetry display. And uh, I know that um, Sim Hub does that as well. Sim Hub can do that as well, but this one uh, is just a app app that uh, works right on your phone. You have to it? download the server software to your computer as well. Right. It's a pretty common feature. Sim Racing Apps does it. JRT can do it. Yeah, they're all all they're using is the internet uh, ISP, isn't it? Aren't they using your? It's the same thing through the. It's sending a signal, and you just log in on your phone that way. Or is this yeah. this one's an, an, an app that's doing that doing it instead of using your internet browser? Right. Instead of a browser, which is what I'm using on my iPhone Seven, right above the wheel, uh, to show Sim Racing Apps uh, RPM gauge. I just use a browser, but this is not uh, kind of nicer because it's not a browser. You know, you don't have the address bar. It's a you know full screen app, and it's sin s i n n is a Nancy, not sim. So it's yeah. good. It's good for anybody that's not in VR, and it's I guess good for anybody that for some reason likes Apple. <laughs> Let it go. Let it go. Don't make me start singing. I will sing that for you. Uh, the next thing that we do have, though, is a we got a sand. This one's hard to pronounce. Sand, sand racing fab. Um, they offer an array of eighty twenty sim rigs and accessories to suit your needs. And then you just open it up and go check out the site, and you're probably going to see a bunch of your typical eighty twenty rigs. They got a triple monitor stand. Yeah, um, four hundred fifty nine dollars to four hundred eighty dollars. Uh, for one version, uh, they have a different ver. Well, that's the one that's in stock. They have a triple monitor stand as well. Looks like you can pick up uh, butt kickers there. Yeah, it looks like a pretty standard eighty twenty rack. Um, on the thinner side, like it's as far as you don't know what exactly which material they've got, but you're you instead of the base is too wide or too profile wide instead of three profile wide. Yeah. That, Big, sorry. I just uh, so they have a big uh, assortment of seats and everything. There's all kinds of different things you can find on this site, um, and there, there's uh, multiples of different things. They've got some DIY add-ons, uh, seats and wheel rims as well. They have a universal seat slider. That's kind of could come in handy with a lot of people could use that for some of their seats if they don't have an adjustability to it. Yeah, we've got some teammates that like to build their own rigs and even design them, and it looks like you can actually buy parts here, specifically. They have a, orange, a very orange seat in this thing, and it kind of reminds me of, I don't know, it, it just looks like a, it, it just looks weird and orange. They have some pretty neat looking seats. Uh, the more bucket racing looking ones that will have the wraparound around the head, $719. So if that's seven hundred nineteen, you're gonna think about that MPI one from last week. Wonder what that price is gonna be at. Probably yeah. not much more. That's the higher end of the of the bucket seats, or it's the, or the mid higher end. You can well, you can get them from anywhere from two hundred to a thousand. We'll know what what costs when Brian orders one. All right. Actually, I I'm I'm pretty happy with the what I have. I'm not gonna be it. I'm we not didn't sure ask if you were happy with it. We were just gonna say you're gonna buy it. Well, the problem is. 
I got to make sure I would have to make sure that the uh, the uh, seatbelt tensioner would work with it. If it doesn't, then it would, wouldn't do me any good. You just have to build a second rig. There you go. Okay, next is a uh, sim setup viewer. Uh, Rick Jameson has created an app that lets you view your car setup and an easy to see viewer for free to members of the community. And so his website where you can get it is setupviewer.com. And this is actually um, pretty handy yeah. when you're to have, cause the worst part is, is you can't do any of this stuff unless you're in SIM or see it outside of the SIM. So if you can have this stuff at your fingertips on your phone or something, that's pretty, that'll come in handy just to see what you're running and maybe even make files and attach these this to it, this is for this setup, this is for this times. Yeah, just last week, somebody was asking, hey, which gear were you running at, at, on this set? And uh, I would be like, um, um, I don't know, I'll have to load the sim, I guess, to find out. Kind of so, looks like he can compare the to an old, like one set to another. Well, that's what I was just kind of looking at to see what all it shows. What I like about the screenshots is it shows all the data without having to scroll. And that's the drawback in the Sims. Like you're looking at your tires or whatever, you have to scroll up and down to be able to see everything. And I, that drives me nuts. So it looks like you can load two setups here and you have, if you look in the top corner, you got the default setup and then obviously whatever the other setup is. Um, and you can click them on and off and I guess it'll show. Oh, the highlight might be the yeah. change. Yeah. So if, if you look on the one here on the, I don't know if you, whatever one you're looking at, but it's showing that they have, uh, 70 to 70 of whatever of ballast and the second set had 28 uh, steering ra uh, ratio is 12 to 1 to the set other set had 16 to 1 yeah and then it's not highlighted if the value is the same like the cross weight is the same so it doesn't highlight it yeah which that you know because visually you can see some changes real quickly then if you you know see differences in sets like how many sets do we acquire during the week here? You could line them up maybe here and see what the differences are and maybe find, you know, find some information out just by quickly seeing what's highlighted in some of them. Yeah, this would be very handy. We'll probably start using this. Yeah, setupviewer.com. Check that out. It certainly looks handy. Bookmark. It's free to download too, right? It is. So we were talking about connection issues and alternative internet uh, options. And I've, I'm definitely a SpaceX fan, so I've been watching their progress a lot. Uh, Brian, you're going to tell us a little bit about this Starlink test that this uh, YouTuber did. Yeah, so uh, on the YouTube channel Linus Tech Tips, he posted a video on the, his YouTube channel where he actually has acquired himself a Starlink beta satellite system. And uh, he tests it out and... Uh, and uh, checks the speeds out for gaming and, and things like that. And uh, he was uh, present, pleasantly surprised. Um, so uh, basically, you have to buy the dish and the uh, startup kit, which is about $500. Um, and then um, I, I'm going to – in the video, he says he's that the actual internet um, – a cost is a hundred dollars per month, you know, for your uh, internet subscription, I guess. And, it's roughly uh, the same as high speed, a high speed cable or or yeah. DSL. 
Yeah, it's 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 pretty comparable, but you know this is going to get you internet where, anywhere where there's an open sky. And uh, Linus actually goes through a whole lot about the technology of it, and uh, you know how the satellites work with different um, with different uh, uh, altitudes and stuff like that. So and how the web system works of web of satellites work, um, and then the does some gaming on it. He doesn't do iRacing, but he did some uh, FPS type gaming and uh, didn't have any issues at it. He uh, he did run a speed test on it, um, you know, and uh, his uh, speed tests were coming back. His download speeds were um, 120 um, megabytes per second. His upload speeds were in the 70s. I think it was 70s, um, and his ping, which is what everybody who does iRacing needs, well, came in at uh, 27 milliseconds, which is actually pretty respectable. That was really good, actually. What are you guys? Are you guys on like, like most of us are on like the 60 to 66 ping, aren't we? Isn't that what you normally set at? Yeah, you're having to go through a lot of cables in the ground, and you know the the satellites are not. The satellites are closer to us than most major cities. That if we're not near them already, they're only they're only a few hundred miles up, so it's not that quick of a trip, or it's not that long of a trip to shoot light up there and shoot it back down. Brian, would something like this benefit? I know you live in a rural area, so you don't have it. Would something like this be better suited for something for you to use, racing wise? Yeah, I, I am going to look into it for sure. Um, I'd really like to. Um, take a peek at it and see um, and see if there's any test period that I can use just in case it doesn't work before I, you know, go full bore into it, you know? And um, so it's something I'm really going to look into because, um, you know, I'm, I'm just using hotspots here at my house. Uh, everything I run through is, is through a, a hotspot. So, you know, I can, if I'm if I'm lucky, I can get 100 megabits per second. Uh, my ping usually runs around 40 to 60 milliseconds, which is uh, okay to use in racing. I don't have too much trouble in iRacing with it, but I think that's probably on the borderline. The county I teach in is really rural. It's only there's less than 30,000 people in the county, and uh, there's quite a few people already showing up on my timeline talking about switching to it because unless you, unless you happen to live in the own, the small town that's the county seat where they they do have DSL, if you don't live there, you don't have high speed internet access. Uh, all of the virtual school that we've been doing this year has been uh, we've had to do everything on paper backup just in case uh, kids that we know can't uh don't have the internet access and we we had the snowstorm last week several of our kids who came back this week with all of the online work they were given uh because they live out in the middle of nowhere had no internet and also couldn't go anywhere so it, this something this this is something gonna be really good not just for rural america but there's half the countries in the world don't have internet now david you, you said that uh it was cold last week do you, do you guys have insulated wires so your internet doesn't freeze uh, we had a really bad ice storm actually in 2009 that had power knocked out from for most of the northern part of the state for a couple of weeks, and since then they've done a lot of a lot of tree management and and stuff to help mitigate some of that because a power in, a power lines were everywhere were just destroyed. Uh, we were we missed school for two straight weeks. The National Guard actually had to come in and provide relief. To, to the county because nobody had access to anything. You know, we don't have the infrastructure for, for those kind of storms down here because they happen once every 10 years, right? So the you're not going to... 
what did I say last or last week? You were saying your temperatures. And I was like, wow, you guys are colder than we are here <laughs> up in Canada. Uh, yeah, it was it was negative one Fahrenheit. Uh, I, I can't convert to Celsius on the fly, but it was it was negative one Fahrenheit windshield of like negative 11. And, you know, uh, yet the other or Monday, this Monday, there was still snow on the ground and it was 60 degrees. Well, snow takes a while to melt. It's insulated, right? Yeah, especially as if it's thick enough. The, the snow, there's snowman that somebody built in our front yard was is is still like about the size of a pumpkin right now. Yeah, hey, uh, guys, just real quick, I, I just viewed the video real quick, and uh, yeah, 138 megabits per second download was his test, 27 se uh, millisecond ping, and uh, the upload was actually 23.25 megabits per second on the upload. And another thing that's nice about this system, this this dish that you get, it's it's not something that you have to you know, mount to your house or screw into anything. You can just set it up on the ground, really, and you can pick it up and take it with you uh, if you travel or anything like that. A couple of caveats with that. Um, there's only about I think a thousand satellites. I know there's only about a tenth of what they are eventually going to have up. So they're not full. They're not even fully deployed yet. So the bandwidth is going to go up. And also, as they start getting more satellites, they're going to start using more laser direct communication to make things run even faster. But uh, if one of the science podcasts I listen to, he's been beta testing, and it does say on their contracts that they sign that you're supposed to keep it at your address. So it's not supposed to be mobile internet at, as of yet. Yeah, I work at Verizon and we offer 5G home in certain areas, which is home internet over 5G. And we have the same rules where you can't take it and move it around. You have to stay, and we enforce that rule too. Well, I wonder if they're doing that just now because if you move it around, you could be losing you know, you're, you, you might have not have the same connection when you, when you sign up for Starlink, you know, they ask you for the address and they give you advice as to whether your area is a, a good area. You know what I mean? There could also be liability issues. If some, something gets traced to a certain dish and they want to know where that dish has been. Brian, what were the speeds again? Okay. Uh, the download was 138 megabits per second. The upload was 23. That's really good. And uh, the ping was 27 millisecond. I just ran a speed test on mine. I just wanted to compare it. So I'm at 296 down, 16 up, and then I'm at 15 uh, ping. That's just as so, good. Yeah, when I when I do a speed test, if no one else is using anything in my house, I I can I usually get between 80 and 100 meg down. I'll get about uh, 30 or 40 ping. What does iRacing suggest that you, you get? Is it like a 50 down at least? Is there, a, is there a minimum internet that you're supposed to have for iRacing? I've never seen that. I know they tell you not to use satellite internet just because of the, the lag on the pinging on those because those are high high orbit satellites. So the ping is really extended. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I've never seen any any um, recommendations for your speeds or minimum requirements. Yeah, the Iridium satellite internet, the ping is is in the four digits.
Okay, results. Let's talk NIS, Daytona Road, Friday open. I got a P19, started dead last, P34. I got lots of incidents in this race and actually had a drive-through penalty before the end. Uh, not a great run. David, P24. Yeah, it was just, uh, I kept making top split in this and uh, they were fast. And that was how fast I was, P24, not much else to say. Okay, and then Sunday open, not too much, uh, a, a much better result, P9, but it was second split. Yeah, and that's, that's why I didn't have to race as many fast people. <laughs> All right, and then Adam uh, ran. He got a P10. He said, while hung over from birthday party until 2 a.m., somehow didn't drive off the track. Goal was to follow David and stay on the track. First NIS top 10 in a year. All right, Adam. Tom ran P18. He said he just tried to live to the next lap. And that's, you know, what most, that's what you pretty much had to do at Daytona, was just try to keep the car straight. All right. And then Sunday fixed, I ran P24. I started in the back, got as high as 18th, but a few spinoffs put me back. Um, Brian, you got P22. Yeah, I, I started in the rear as well and, uh, you know, took it easy on the first lap and damn if I still didn't get somebody to hit me in the um, in the front stretch chicane and uh, I took some damage from that, but uh, I got it repaired, I got back on the track and actually uh, after about halfway through the through the race, I actually started to feel pretty comfortable with the car and uh, was actually pretty happy with uh, the finish. I finished P22 and uh, only came away with uh, 3x so I was actually pretty happy with that yeah that 3x only that's pretty good and it looks that like us oops sorry I was gonna say real quick one of my spins was uh I self-spun coming uh going through the uh the front step front chicane and it didn't give me any x on that one I don't know because I think it thought I was trying to go into the uh, pits or something but yeah there's no one x there just to slow down if you get it Steven looks like a DNF after lap five. Was he in your split, Mike? He wasn't, but he was struggling out there. And uh, yeah, he eventually wrecked out after a few laps. He, he was doing pretty good for a while. And that wrapped up Daytona Road. And I'm sure a lot of us were glad to get back to the ovals. And Wednesday, we ran at Miami. Uh, and I was doing really well. And then I just I had a serious mental error. Merged just a little bit too soon to the right and got unsafe pit exit. It blew my shot at a possible top five. The blue line you crossed? Yeah, I crossed before the blue line, basically. Tom was a, Tom Drawling got to run and he had a P17. He got caught a lap down just in green flag pit cycles and was not able to make his way back up on old tires. He's hoping to run with some better luck on Sunday. Okay, and I ran, I got P24. I got wrecked out about lap 10, could not miss it. I stayed in the race though to try to, you know, savage what I could, um, even though I was many laps down. Uh, Tony Rochette, P11, um, experimented with the iRacing open set and was slow. So the last second he decided, well, I'm gonna run it and see how it goes, and he did not like it. I ran Thursday Open earlier today, P19. Actually started 24th and had a fantastic save on lap one where I got 12 seconds damage with a 4X. Uh, it stayed green though, no caution. 
and we went green until lap 95. And at that point, I was the lucky dog in P12. There was another quick caution. Then two cautions later, I got caught up in a big one. I couldn't miss it. The whole front end was crushed and uh, it just ruined the day. I probably had a top 10 going, but ended up 19th. Uh, I think the no cautions coming out is a problem at Homestead as well as Daytona. Yes, we're, we're seeing that definitely. Moving on to official series, we got, I've not run in any IMSA or Euro this week because I'm focusing on practicing at Bathurst. So any of my extra time has gone to that. Uh, but Adam did run some, oh, he's running C and B class every week. He had a fifth place in his truck race at California. And then he started the front row for Homestead in the B car. Was going for four, slipped, fell to fifth, and got back up to, or got back up to fifth. And I think that's about all the official racing we had this week. Okay, league and hosted Pacific Majors, Daytona 500, 87 Cup Car, P22. Yeah, I was just surviving. I dodged the first big one and then uh, got dumped, just flat out dumped by a lap car who was who was just being stupid. Um, and then every position I gained after that was just through attrition because a lot of other people's cars did not survive at all. And then, Greg, this is about the only thing you ran this week, and you win it. Yeah, I... Uh... Hold on, sorry. Yeah, so I... Uh... I definitely had a great race there. Um, I started on the pole a bit. Uh, I was the fastest. That setup that we had, David, it was <laughs> in that series, uh, in that split for the sportsmen. Um, I, I was hands down the fastest car. Everybody was, tr every time, um, there was a lot of cautions and every time, you know, I'd fall back because I'd go down pit road or, or whatever. I just marched my way back up to the front and everyone wanted to work with me. and. Every time I got up to the front, someone would hang on to the back of me and follow me around and we'd pull away for, and get away. And then also another caution would come out and you'd never get to it. We've only had one green flag stop for that whole 200 lap race, but um, it ended up coming down to fuel mileage at the end. Um, and luckily on the last pit before that, I ended up hanging behind the group and kind of just following for a bit. Um, saving fuel, but also letting them just waste waste their cars and their fuel and all that stuff. And I went down pit road and only had to put a gallon. I only had to put a gallon in it, and I was on pit road for less than I don't know whatever it takes to, to put that gallon in. And um, I ended up winning the race by like six seconds because everybody else, when they came down for their green flag stop, were either they just couldn't get in and out of pit road fast enough, or they had to add more fuel or whatever. But um, yeah, I was out by myself and just drove away. Um, it's a great race. I, I did not think that, that was going to happen in that race, but, uh, that setup was once you just got used to driving it and got out front, it was, it was on a rail. Well done. That is a nice win in a big league, um, and a big race too. Well, and I've never, I don't think I've won a restrictor plate race at Daytona or any of those things. So to win it in the non-restricted, it's kind of, especially that car there, it's really hard to, you can run flat out for like two laps and then you got to start lifting and that's when you start getting loose and you got to, you kind of got to manage, you're kind of turning right as you go in the corner to keep it from going around. And you have to turn before you see the turn. 
You have to you have to have the yeah. wheels to the left when you hit the corner, or you'll or you'll spin out. All right, Tom got a P30. Dang, not my best run, but I can't say goodbye to the 87 car for a while. I ran Saturday night in the Dirty Monkey Autism Race, um, and man, that was fun. I got a P2. I almost won it. I led the most laps. I actually won a hat and $55 in iRacing credits uh, for my second place win. Um, it was only $15 to get in the race. I had no help at the end. It was basically three of us left. Uh, they were grouped together on the bottom. I was trying to make it happen on the outside and I had no help and so I ended up P2. That's the best I could do. But uh, a great event that John Fowler put on. I was happy to be a part of it. and. and uh, you know, dominated the race as I usually do. And that really felt good. Next up, uh, Fast Track Sim Racing League. Uh, Tom and I ran, Tom got a P10. Uh, he should have finished top five, but had a, a few stupid self spins. I had a DNF. I was running a really good uh, run about 11th. And that sucker hooked right coming out of the bus stop. And I went head on into the wall. Five minutes damage, I parked it. Next was Premier Race Network Cup. Tom Dryling, 18th, qualified on the pole at the road course at Daytona, got involved in a crash while trying to lap a set of cars near the end of the race. That moves us to OBRL, Brian, P14. Yeah, so uh, Monday night ARCA series, OBRL at um, uh, Vegas. Um, I started on the outside of the pole, I was uh, the race went green to the first pit stop. I was in uh, second place uh, after the first green flag run, and uh, I got caught speeding entering the pits, and that totally wiped out my my track position. I was a lap down. Um, and it was uh, one caution for the whole race came at the very end, but it was too far. You know, other cars had been lapped by that point, so I wasn't in a lucky dog position. So it was a, it was just a dumb mistake. I missed my break points entering the pits, and uh, so this was the week where they. Um, this is the next last week, so the the uh, the uh, chase drivers went from eight to four, and I did not make the four. Not after screwing up basically two weeks in a row. So next next season we'll try again. Well, you tried. That's what counts, right? GridFinder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league. Currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. Finding a league to fit your schedule has never been this easy. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or upload your own. GridFinder Finder.com, the home of online sim racing leagues. Okay, final thoughts, Brian McCubbin. What do you got? Uh, let's see. We, I'm going to be doing the OBRL uh, Bathurst race this week too. Um, so we're going to be starting Saturday morning, and uh, I'm going to have two hour long stints. We got six drivers, so uh, I would say I'm looking forward to that. But I think I'm going to. I'm really scared that I'm going to screw up the race for everybody. But we'll see. I'm going to do my best. I'll be practicing after this show, and then I'll be practicing tomorrow night, and uh, see if I can't get get good enough that I'm comfortable. 
I mean, that's the whole thing about team racing is uh, don't screw up for the everyone else, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm trying. I'm going to try my very best not to ruin anybody else's day. You know. Yeah, just and, don't do what I do. And at Bathurst, if <laughs> you go off track, you are done, pretty much, because you ran into a wall. Yeah, there is no off track much. Not no, not in the places that matter. Well, and the high speed section is the only place that you got a chance. And either that, by the time if you lose control in that area, you might find a wall anyways because of how far you're going to slide. Okay, David Hall, final thoughts. I'm going to use my final thoughts to drop a little breaking news. Um, I remember you mentioned that Elliot Sadler had uh, esports had a, an announcement earlier. And it's Donovan Strauss has signed on with the Elliott Sadler Esports 2021. Um, he's going to be working with Elliot and the team to try to get back into pro. So he's in the road to pro. Does that start next? When's that start? Next week or a couple weeks still? Oh no. Uh, I think they already had one event, so we're on to the second one this coming week. Anyway, uh, okay, Gregory Hectus, final thoughts. I'm just, uh, I guess I'd I'd like to say I'm looking forward to the race this weekend, but that's probably not true. Uh, We'll get that Bathurst race done, David. I'll uh, get my stints in. I just haven't been focusing on iRacing this week. I've been more focusing on uh, building some some stuff in behind here for some graphic stuff I've been working on and just haven't, doesn't have any time for iRacing, so hopefully I can get back to doing more uh, this coming weekend and in the next week. Okay. And then Adam Jocelyn uh, wrote his final thoughts on the script here. I'm going to read it. He said, feels real good about the start of the year, back-to-back top fives in the truck and Xfinity and top 10 in NIS at Daytona road course has me fired up. Oh, and we're going to go to the jugular on the fantasy as well. Going to be a good year. All right. Nice run, Adam. Uh, don't forget. He's got a pretty high I rating, so it's hard to get those top tens. Uh, my final thoughts is, man, I can't shake my luck. I, I, every time I have a good run going in the NIS, I get wrecked. And uh, I just can't miss these things. And, uh, boy, I just I just know that luck will turn at some point. I know how this goes. And so just kind of waiting that out is what's happening um, with me anyway. So also have an intermittent computer problem. It hasn't happened really during a race, but uh, the other night, my while I was sitting idle, uh, the the three the triples just go black, like the video card stops working. Or another time, the mouse and the keyboard just freeze and video is frozen and nothing responds. And the only way to get out of it is to turn off the computer. So now I'm, oh crap, I'm starting to have computer issues again. What am I going to do? So that's what I'm dealing with these days. And uh, if you have any ideas about how to fix it, let me know. And with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.